First one is Media Missions Online. I can't hardly read that. Oh, yeah. Mother's Memorial. I'm going by the list. Mother's Memorial is due next Sunday, May 29th. All right. What's Mother's Memorial for? Missionaries. Amen. Next Sunday at our place at 4 o'clock. You can come earlier than that if you want. But that's when we're going to eat. So any, any, any time between church ending and 4 o'clock, we're going to have some, some uh, games, fellowship. We're going to have a bonfire when it gets dark. We're going to have brats and hamburgers. All we're asking is you bring whatever you want to drink in a little cooler. That way we don't have to end up with a bunch of two liters we don't need. So you bring what you want to drink. We'll take care of the rest. And uh, and Memorial Day is Monday, so that's why we're doing it, because most people will be off work, so nobody will feel like they have to be rushed to get home. You can stay... You can stay the night if you want. I got extra space. <laughs> Praise God. What? What? Uh, what door did I just open? <laughs> now, June fifth. June fifth. We're having a graduate celebration, honoring our graduates at ten a.m. June 5th at 10 a.m. Everybody say June 5th at 10 a.m. Right here on this property, we're going to use our brand new grill that we haven't had a chance to use yet. And I'm sure Brother Becker's probably going to be cooking, or one of us guys, and uh, the meat. Probably hot dogs and hamburgers. There you go. Section 4 Steakout. Wisconsin Rapids, June 18th. Time to be announced. I'm sure it's going to be early, like noon or something, starting. All right, last one. Family camp, July 3rd through the 8th. Those are the speakers. Guy on the first guy on the left there, Terry and Melania Shock. Melanie Shock. Daytime speakers. That guy, Raymond Woodward from Canada. Yep. And then they're splitting it up with those other ones. And then we're having children's ministry. So if you can any way, shape, manner, or form get to family camp one, one, two days up in Shawano, I encourage you to go. What's that? It's the third through the eighth. Usually on, uh, usually on July 4th, they have a bunch of fireworks. So that's Sunday, July 3rd through whatever the 8th is, Friday, Wednesday. Some some great teaching and preaching coming our way. Amen. And then, uh, I don't know if there's the men's conference one in there too. Men's conference, July 28th, 29th, and 30th up in Shano at the campground. I've already registered, Wayne's already registered, Bob's registered, I believe the pastor's registered, so if you can think of somebody between now and then that you'd like to bring with you, pay their way. 
It's going to cost you something. They might go up there and get the Holy Ghost. So it'd be worth a hundred bucks and you put in the bill for the gas and everything to get them up there. Right? We need more men in the kingdom. Praise God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Father, we love you today. We thank you for this opportunity once again to be in your presence. Your presence is everywhere, Father. Your presence is all over the place. Lord, we can't turn around without running into you, God. And so we need you today, God. We need your spirit and your power, your anointing to be in the midst of what we do and what we say, Lord, in this place. In Jesus' name. Let's sing some choruses this morning. Well, how great is our God. How great is His name. He's the greatest one. He's forever the same. When He rolled back the waters of the mighty Red Sea, then He said, I want to lead you, so put your trust in Me. Oh, how great is our God! How great is His name! He's the greatest one! He's forever the same! When He rolled back the waters of the mighty Red Sea, then He said, I want to lead you, so put your trust in Me. Well, how great is our God! He's a great God. How great is His name! He's the greatest one. He's forever the same. When He rolled back the waters of the mighty Red Sea, then He said, I want to lead you. So put your trust in me. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Throw the next one up there. Jesus' name and Jesus' name. Well, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it. And they are safe. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it. And they are saved. Well, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Most high. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord Most High. Oh, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, 
and they are safe. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Just run into it, and they are saved. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord Most High. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord Most High. Oh, Jesus is the name of the Lord. Jesus is the name of the Lord. Jesus is the name of the Lord Most High. Oh, Jesus is the name of the Lord. Jesus is the name of the Lord. Jesus is the name of the Lord Most High. Thank you, Jesus, for your mighty name. Thank you, Jesus, for your name. Oh, your name is great and greatly to be praised. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes. I will trust you and obey when your spirit speaks to me. With my whole heart I'll agree, and my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. Oh, I'll say yes, Lord, yes. To your will and to your way, I'll say yes, Lord, yes. I will trust you and obey when your Spirit speaks to me. With my whole heart I'll agree, and my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. Oh, I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, I will trust you and obey. When your Spirit speaks to me, with my whole heart I'll agree, and my answer will be yes. Lord, yes, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, God, we thank you, Lord Jesus. Help us to say yes to your will and to your way. Jesus' name and Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to you, God. Glory to you, God. Glory to you, God. Oh, we give you glory and praise and honor. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, all glory and praise and honor be unto you, Jesus. All glory and praise and honor be unto you, Jesus. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Glory to God, glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. <clears throat> precious Jesus, precious Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Have your way. Have your way, God. Have your way, Jesus. Have your way, Jesus. Have your way, Jesus. Have your way, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Great is your faithfulness, God. Great is your faithfulness. Hallelujah, Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. We need him today and every day. We need him. Can't save ourselves. Hallelujah. Cannot earn our way into heaven. Hallelujah. Our reward is not down here. Great is your reward in heaven. Amen. Don't don't look for a reward down here. Hallelujah. If there's any reward down here, it's that I see somebody be filled with the Holy Ghost, be baptized in Jesus' name, have their eyes opened, and have them find truth and deliver them from the hand of the enemy. Amen. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 8, verses 1 through 8. Luke, chapter 8, verses 1 through 8. And I'm going to read it in the New King James. You all are going to read it in the King James. So it's very similar. But you just read it in the version you have, and it's pretty close I just felt to to read this in the New King James. Now it came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. Jesus never sat still, right? He never rented an apartment. He never had his own place. He was always moving. He was always just sleeping somewhere and going to the next town. Hallelujah, Jesus. And the twelve were with him, and they followed him everywhere he went. And they probably wondered, why don't this guy settle down somewhere? But that wasn't what he was here for. And so they followed him. And a certain woman who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance, and so Jesus, and it says, and, and, and when a great multitude 
had gathered, or you want, you might say a great crowd, a crowd had gathered, lots of crowds gather for lots of things, right? And they had come to him from every city, and he spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on a rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, Who has ears to hear? Let him hear. And it said there he cried. He didn't just say it. He cried. He spoke it loudly. Father, we love you today. We thank you today, Lord Jesus, for what you have done so far. Lord, we thank you for what you're about to do. Lord, that we would have ears to hear today. And we would have eyes to see, Father, and that we would have a mind to receive and to understand and to comprehend the length and breadth and height and depth of what you're saying to us today. Lord, give us a mind to receive impartation, wisdom, knowledge, understanding, and revelation today from you, from your spirit, from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Amen. Getting the seed out of the barn. Well, that's hard to see. It's a guy with a hand casting seeds into the field. So I got a question for you. Did the sower stop sowing seed because the seed was falling by the wayside or on the rocks or among the thorns? Or because the birds were eating it? Does it say he stopped? No. He's... In the parable, he's telling what happened when those seeds fell in those places, but it never says that the sower stopped sowing. He just kept going. He didn't even look. He wasn't worried about where was the seed falling. He was sent to sow, right? So, was the sower sent to sow, or was he sent to pass judgment on the type of ground that the seed was falling on? He was... He was sent to sow. Sow seed. Or was the sower sent for one purpose? Sow seed. He was. He wasn't expected to be picky about where he sowed the seed. Well, I can't throw it there because there's rocks there. I can't. I shouldn't throw it there because there's there's thorns there. I, I, if I throw it there, the birds are going to get it. He didn't. It doesn't say that in the parable. Jesus said he just was out there sowing seed. He wasn't concerned about it. He was in the field sowing seed, and if some of it by and by fell on the ground, so be it. When they come to put grass seed in your yard, they run that cedar back and forth, back and forth, and they run right over top of your sidewalk while they're doing it, and they leave a bunch of that grass seed on the sidewalk. Do they care? Do they go back and sweep it up? Nope. Because they're not concerned about that seed. They're concerned about the seed that's in the grass that's going to grow and germinate. Right? So there must have been some expectation on the part of the sower in this story that 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 sown seed that was put there was going to produce something. 
at some point in the future. Because why else would you sow seed in the ground? Unless you were expecting a harvest from that, right? He wasn't sowing seed for no reason. So he could just say, look, I sowed some seed. The seed was precious. And it would eventually provide food and more seed. Because that's where they got their seed. From the fruit, the product that grew from the seed they sowed. It was precious. And so they depended on that seed for the next crop. They depended on that seed to produce wheat. We'll say wheat so that they could crush the wheat and make bread. So they could feed their families. And so... Before all that happened, there were some other things that happened. So, Jesus told this parable, this story, if you will. And Jesus always had a reason why he used parables to speak. There was always a purpose behind There was always a principle behind everything he, that he did. Luke 8, 9, and 11 We're going to talk about the purpose of parables. And it says in verse 9, Then his disciples asked him, saying, What does this parable mean? Have you ever asked yourself, when you're reading the Word of God, What does this mean? God, what's this mean? wonder what this means. wonder what they're saying here. Uh, You may not do this, but I I think in terms of, in the New Testament, it was written in Greek. So what... How did they live then? What, how did they talk? They, don't, they didn't talk like we do. They didn't have idioms like we do. They, they didn't do things like we do today. They weren't in English-speaking America. They were overseas in Asia. And so what was their culture like? What, why did they say what they said? Who was their audience? And, and in that audience, how many people could actually read? Most of them couldn't. So everything was spoken word. So... How did they speak? How did they read? What was, what was the point of what they were saying? So the disciples asked him, what, what, what does this parable mean? And he said, it is to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. There's some mysteries of the kingdom that he wants us to know. But he's not just going to share with you the mysteries of the kingdom. He's not going to just share that with anybody. Especially somebody that doesn't have God's Spirit dwelling in them. It's not for those that just want to know for the sake of knowing. You've got to have a hunger. You've got to have a, your motive has to be right. And Jesus was working on their motive. Jesus was still training these 12 disciples. And so he did these things on purpose. To, to garner, to get them to ask questions. And so he answered their question. To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to the rest, to the crowd, it is given in parables. That seeing they might not see and then hearing they might not understand. What does that mean? One translation says, even though they have eyes, they are blind to the true meaning of what I say. And even though they listen... They won't receive full revelation. 
That's what that means. So the crowd was there, and they were saying, I mean, they, they, the, the Bible says they came from every city because they heard about Jesus, right? They might not have heard much about Him, but they, the word traveled, and so they heard about it, so they had to come see this phenomenon, this Jesus that everybody was talking about. They might not necessarily have been hungry for the gospel. They were just coming to see what was going on. You know, something bad happens, uh, uh, you know, a fire or an accident or something, and people come from everywhere and they want to stop and get out of their car and see what's going on. Right? And so I think that's what was going on here. And so, to me, it's like those in the crowd might have been saying something like, that's a nice story. Tell us another one. Because that's how some people view the Bible. It's just a book of stories. That's a nice story. Can you imagine that? And that's how some people approach the Bible. Just That's a nice story. Tell me another one. And even the religious Jews had a problem. They weren't getting the point. And that's why Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, it's for you to know. You're, you're hanging around with me every day. You're hungry. You're thirsty. You're not just a part of the general crowd. But you're the, you have separated yourselves for the purpose of understanding the kingdom. And I'm preparing you to go out and to represent me when I leave this place. But I can't depend on everybody in that crowd. And so some of these parables I'm telling you is for the purpose of showing you revelation. But might, they might not get it. Because the crowd wasn't really hungry. So here's the parable of the sower explained, starting in Luke 8, verse 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the Word of God. It says the seed is the Word of God. that makes sense? It's the divine declarations and the doctrines and the precepts of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts. Lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. Now one of the ones who fell among the thorns are those who... When they heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word, with a noble and a good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. If you notice, I emphasize the, on each one of those, the ones who hear The ones who hear, the ones who have heard, and they that have heard the Word. So, they all heard the Word. All of those four types of soil heard the Word. There was those four types of people in the crowd that day. Everybody's at a different place in their walk, in their journey, in their trying to find truth, trying to find a place where they can find God. Everybody's in a different place. And so, each one of these heard it, 
But at the end there, he said, the ones on the good ground are those who have heard the word with a noble and good heart to keep it and bear it with patience. So when you're sowing the word, it's going to hit some of these kinds of ground. And you can't get frustrated when somebody's not hungry. When somebody gets it one minute and the next minute they don't want to have anything to do with you and they won't even answer your phone call. They won't respond to your text. You can't get hung up on that. I want that soul to be saved, don't you? But I don't have time to focus on somebody that's not hungry. And so the, the sower just kept sowing, right? So we just have to keep sowing. We're sent here to be sowers. We're sent here to just sow the seed. Sowers didn't have to have college degrees to know how to sow seed. Back in the day, they didn't have big monstrosity machines that they dragged behind a tractor to sow the seed and plant it for them. They had to reach in a bag and sow it like this, casting the seed out and hoping that it would hit the ground and fall in a good spot. And that it would get covered up and that, and all those things would happen. So, what is Jesus saying in this parable? He's implying that we're, we're to simply, is he, is he implying that we're simply to write off those by the wayside, those on the stony ground and those among the thorns, and only concern ourselves with the good ground candidates? Is that what he's saying? Is that why he told that story? The Scripture says each one of them heard. So they were at least listening. So there was something there for the seed to fall on. Some kind of ground for the seed to fall on. They heard the good news. Lots of people in this world have heard the Gospel. I stood at my brother's front door when he didn't want to talk to a couple of people that were from another religious organization that came knocking on his door one Saturday morning, as they did, that particular group. And so he, I was, happened to be there doing something for him, and he said, Hey, would you mind going to the door? <laughs> talk to them people for me? <laughs> so I said, Sure, I'll go talk to them. So I wouldn't let him in the house, but I let him stand at the door. It was a nice day out, so I wasn't making them freeze to death or anything. And so they, they went through their, I knew what they were there for, I knew about them, and so I let them, and I, and I let them talk, and I let them give me their spiel, and then I, at the end of their little thing, I said, do you mind if I interject something? Sure. And they said, sure. I said, here we go. So I gave them what I would call a very impromptu Acts 2.38 Bible study right there on my brother's front porch for about five minutes. And I didn't, I didn't attack them. I didn't go against what they said. I just said, here, now let me tell you something. And I just wanted to, I only had them. I didn't know what was going to happen after that. They were going to turn around and walk away probably, but I was going to plant something in their mind. So... When I got done, I closed the door and I turned around and there's my sister-in-law and my brother standing there, just mouth open. Like, wow, what was that? And I didn't, you know, grab my suspenders and go, yeah, I'm pretty good at that, aren't I? I didn't do that. But inside I thought, 
man, my brother and his now ex-wife just got a home Bible study in five minutes. So my brother has heard the gospel. Even if it was for five minutes, he got to hear it because he could have left the room and went and did something else. But he stood there. Unbeknownst to me, I had no idea they were standing behind me. And so you just never know. I, myself and Brother Doan were teaching a Bible study in a Marine Corps barracks room on Okinawa. And the guy that was sitting and listening to the Bible study, you could tell he was fidgeting and he wasn't real comfortable. Well, his roommate was over there just ironing clothes and getting his uniform ready and seemingly not paying attention to anything we said. But guess who ended up coming to, to the church and coming to the Lord? The guy with the iron in his hand. So you never know who's listening. Plant the seed anyway. So in many places around the world, and I'm thinking of some places down in Georgetown, Kentucky, that I know of specifically in Winchester, Kentucky, there's these stone fences. If you ride down these state highways and country roads, they're everywhere. They're in England. They're all over the place. Anybody ever seen them? They all stand about this tall. And they're just stone fences that just go for miles and miles and miles. And you're thinking, where did they get all those stones? Some of them are not small stones. Where'd they get them? Out of the field. Some, some fields you go by and you see just piles of trees and bramble and all kinds of stuff piled up out in the middle of the field. And you're thinking, what's that there for? It's because they were collecting all that junk out of that. They're going to fix them to use that field. And so they were collecting all the junk and the, the rocks and all the twigs and trees and re, the weeds and the thorns and all that stuff and piling it up to burn it. Because they're fixing to use that field, right? So we shouldn't say of others that come to him, boy, they sure are messed up. Look at that stony ground. Look at those thorns. Look, why, why are they allowing those birds to hang around and, and eat all that? What? I'm not sure Jesus can fix that. That's not what we're supposed to say. But we do. In here, we don't say those words, but we think it. And i got news for you. <laughs> read, your, read your New Testament. There's several places in there where it said Jesus knew their thoughts. So you're not getting away with it just thinking it and not saying it. Jesus knows your thoughts. He knows what you're thinking right now, as a matter of fact. So if we take a quick look back at our own lives, we would have to say the same thing about ourselves. None of us deserved this. None of us. We were wicked. Okay? Just let's put it simple. In God's mind, we were just wicked. We were sinful. We were evil. We were doing some stuff. We, we might even have just been practicing religious tradition in some other form of religion. But to God, we were not where we needed to be. We were a mess. Thank God somebody didn't say, well, I ain't spending any time with that guy. I'm not spending any time with her. She doesn't look like the right kind of candidate for this. Look at her. Man, she just, look at, him. Look at that guy. He don't look like he's one of us. Do we do that? No. Yeah, we do. We do that. We think that. I don't even want to talk to that guy. He looks like if I start talking to him, he'll beat me up. 
And all the while, that one guy is saying, thinking in his mind, man, I wish somebody would come and tell me about the, the Bible. I just wish somebody talked to me about Jesus. They're dying on the inside. But they're acting cool and they got their leather jacket on the outside and they, they don't look like the right candidate. But they're hungry. They're thirsty. And that's where we got to listen to the Holy Ghost. Every one of us brought our own share of baggage to the altar, didn't we? Every single one of us in this room, even if you were raised in church, you still brought some baggage to the altar. You still brought some attitudes. You still brought some stuff that wasn't of God, that wasn't pleasing to God. And when you left that altar, you had to leave that behind. Sadly, some people go back and pick it back up, but that's not what we're talking about today. So Jesus, he came to earth to die for the messed up people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You should be shouting right now, church. I'm not kidding. You should be shouting. He came to this earth for me. For a, I was a messed up dude, man. I just I sat in the parking lot with, in my, with my girlfriend and smoked a joint and walked into an apostolic church service. Now, that's pretty wicked, right? You know how God is? He just humbled me and He just, He made me sober right there in that service the minute I got the Holy Ghost. It was like I had never done that. God can, He's, He knows if we're shacking up with somebody when we come to God. He knows what's going on in our life. He knows what kind of mess we're all messed up in. And He's not going well when they get their life right. I'll fill them with the Holy Ghost. That's sorry. That seed fell on that ground. And getting back to those stones, those stone walls, how did they get there? How did they get there? Somebody can answer. It's okay. You'd be famous. You'll be on Facebook. <laughs> Somebody had to go out there one way or the other and pick those things up and haul them over to the edge of the field and stack them. How did all those piles of trees and brambles and stuff get there? Somebody had to work. Somebody was getting the soil ready for the seed. And God takes His time getting stuff out of our life. I thank God He didn't just remove it all at once, Sister Linda. Because I wouldn't have been able to handle it. And he knows that. God takes it out of our life as we release it to Him. Because He's a gentleman. He'll do that. He won't make you give up anything. He'll prompt you to do it. He'll convict you to do it. But ultimately, it's your decision. It's the same reason that Adam and Eve did what they did. Because when He created them, He gave them a free will. And they could have chosen to obey God and not go to that one tree. But they didn't. They made the wrong decision. And they paid the consequences for that. And we are paying the consequences today for that. We are born in sin, as David said, and shaping in iniquity. It's in us. And I'm sorry to have to tell you this, but i got news for you. It doesn't go away when you get the Holy Ghost. Hello? It doesn't. 
you're going to deal with this flesh till you die or he takes us out of here. And so am I. The beauty of all of this is, is that when we receive the Holy Ghost, he gives us power to live above that sin nature. He gives us a little early warning system, if you will, that the enemy is trying to talk to your mind. And you, the more words you have in you, the more the seed you have in you, the more you're going. That's not from God. And you just turn around and say, shut up, devil. Nice try. He's already delivered me of that. Go away. If you don't talk to the devil like that, I do. You're a loser. You're a liar. And you're the father of lies. And you're going to straight. You've already, you're, you're, your destiny's already been determined. <laughs> you're not dragging me down there with you. Sorry. What's this got to do with your lesson? I don't know. Many of these same people have not felt real sincere love from anyone ever in their life. They've had to deal with rejection, disappointment, and ridicule. People today are being bullied and ridiculed to the point of committing suicide. Young people, old people, middle-aged people. You talk about a pandemic, the enemy's taking them out like sitting sitting there and shooting fish in a bucket. Right? And so they have no hope. I don't know if you've ever been there, having no hope. We, the church, are being are here to bring them hope of the gospel. Right? Amen? Getting back to the parable. A farmer is in business of farming, right? So when he has a piece of land to farm, he surveys it and he determines the best place to plant the seed. He determines what crop would grow best and he buys the seed and stores it in the barn. You don't want to leave the seed outside, right? Because if the seed starts getting wet while it's being waiting to be put in the ground, it might start germinating in the container, the bag that it's in, and that's just kind of messed up the seed, right? So they store the seed in the barn. And he walks and he drives the field and he notes the rocks, the brambles, the weeds, and he goes back and gets his equipment, whatever it is, and he starts taking those rocks out of the field. He starts weeding that field. He starts taking all that stuff out of the field. Then he goes and gets his plow and he starts plowing the field. Well, lo and behold, as he plows that field, more rocks come up. So he's got to go back out there and get more of those rocks and junk out of the field. Then he discs the field. Then he notices even more rocks. Because when you think God's gotten all the rocks out of your life, i got news for you. It takes some plowing and some disking. And even from season to season, still more rocks will come up. You think, I thought I got all the rocks. I thought I got all that. The farmer is carefully preparing the field for the seed. Then it gets to the place where the farmer finally gets to put the seed in the ground. And then what does he do? Does he stand over there going, Hey, come on. Time to grow. Come on. Come on. 
I just put, come on, what's the deal here? Does he do that? No. Does he go out and walk around and talk to the seed? Come on, germinate. Come on, does he, does he yell at the sun and, and command it to rain? No. He knows that all of those things outside of preparing the ground and putting the seed in the ground are out of his control. He has to wait and pray and wait and pray and wait and pray and wait and believe God to send the rain, to send the wind, to send the sunshine and not too much rain. We don't want to have a drought and wash all the seed away. Right? But it's all in God's hands at that point. So his, the next responsibility of the farmer is... The harvest. Once the, the corn starts popping through the ground, and we'll start seeing that shortly as we drive through the countryside, right? We'll start seeing the little, little, you know, they'll be knee high by the 4th of July, right? Isn't that the rule? That's what it is, right? Am I right? I know. I've heard that, but that's, if it's not knee high by the 4th of July, there's, there's a problem, right? It's not, it might not make it. And so that's, that's the rule, I guess. So they got to get it in the ground in time so that it gets that high by the 4th of July or somewhere thereabouts. That's for tall people. So even when the crop is growing, the farmer really can't do anything to, to help the crop grow. In these days, they might spray it, they might weed it, but pretty much they just let it grow. Until it starts turning in the fall, and then what do they do? They get their combines out and they start harvesting the crop, whether it's wheat or whatever it is, beans, you name it, right? So all the farmer can do is wait and pray. And wait, and he doesn't stand there at the edge of the field, twiddling his thumbs and and nervously pacing back and forth. Oh my goodness! I don't know when that seed's going to grow. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I haven't seen it. Oh, no, not yet. Oh no, my God! Oh, oh, come on, come on! Would you please? I, they don't do that. They just they go on about their business because they know, as a farmer, eventually they'll see that that little seedling prop up out of the ground. They don't even go there to look and see. They just know that it's going to happen. And when they drive by that field one day, they go, oh, "There it is." They just go on about their business. Thank you, Jesus. The parable of the laborers. Matthew 20, verse 1 through 8. For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is a householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. He had gone through all these steps that we were just talking about, right? To plant that vineyard. And most of the time, vineyards are planted once and then they just repeat themselves over and over and over again. But guess what they do at the end of the season in a vineyard? They, they cut it back. Once they harvest all the grapes off, they don't leave that old wood there. They cut that old wood all the way back to just above the ground. Because that if they leave the old wood there, it will grow grapes. But they won't be very good grapes. They'll be kind of sort of sweet, maybe. 
But they know the sweetest grapes will come from the new growth. So they, they chop it back. He's divine, we're the branches. You think He ever comes in and prunes us back? You better hope He does. <laughs> That's just free. And when He had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, He sent them into His vineyard and went out. And He went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. And they went their way. And again He went out about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour He went out and found others standing idle and saith unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? They say unto him, Because no man hath hired us. He saith unto them, Go ye also into the, har- the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, I shall, you shall receive it. So when the even was come, the Lord of the vineyard said unto the steward, Call the laborers and give them their hire, bringing from the last, beginning from the last unto the first. Beginning from the last unto the first. So if somebody comes into the kingdom the day before the rapture, they're brand new babies, and they're out there talking to somebody about Jesus, trying to bring somebody in, they're going to get the same reward we get that have been in this our whole life. Is that right? So we can't look at ourselves and say, well, I've been in this longer, so I deserve more. We can't say that. Well, I guess you can say that, but you're not right if you do say that. Because God doesn't see us as up here down there. He just sees us all. He's standing on the same field we're standing on. He's looking across the field. We're all on the same level to God. Our soul is on the same level. you got the same power, Sister Sandy, to lay hands on somebody and heal them as Brother Becker does. Bob, you got the same power, same Holy Ghost I got to lay hands on somebody and have their eyes open, physically. You got the same power. You got the same Holy Ghost. God didn't say, "Well, I'm going to give Vince more Holy Ghost than Bob, because Vince is a licensed minister and Bob's not." It's not how it works. We're all laborers in the vineyard. We're all hired for the same amount. And what was so funny about that story is the guys that were out there all day complained. Because the guys that only worked an hour got the same pay they got. And what did the guy that was over the vineyard say to him? Hey, didn't you agree? <laughs> you got into this kingdom and you agreed that you would be a servant of the Most High God and you would do whatever He asked you to do. It doesn't matter if you've been in this your whole life. And that new convert's been over there and he's, got, he's won ten people and you haven't won one. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. When are we going to... Let me, let me read this one. Matthew 9:35 through 38 And Jesus went out, went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Here He is again, just going everywhere. He didn't, he didn't even... He even went through Samaria on purpose. The Jews weren't supposed to do that. But he said, I what must needs go through Samaria? 
We'll get back to that scripture in a minute. He said, I must needs go through Samaria. Why? For one lady. For one lady. And then when he got to the well, he sent his disciples away to go to Walmart to buy food. Why did he do that? Because he knew they would get in the way. Because he knew that they would immediately be judgmental toward this filthy woman that was coming to the well that had been married five times and was on her and the one she was with now wasn't her husband either. But when he saw the multitudes, what, what do we see when we look out? They're not all standing outside this door, but there are multitudes out there. There's 50,000 plus people counting college students. There's more than that. They're out there. He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. There's a lot of people out there that don't know that they're lost. They don't even know they're lost. They don't even know they're lost. They don't know that they're in bondage to the devil. They don't know. They think they're fine. And how in the world can we sit in here and think we're fine and not do something about that? He was moved with compassion on them. Are we moved with compassion over the souls that are going to spend eternity in a devil's hell that wasn't created for people? Are we going to do something about it? That farmer had to plow that field and pick those rocks up and get all that stuff out of there before he could plant the seed. And that's what we need to be doing. And that is what we're doing, by the way. On Tuesdays when we come here, and I know sometimes we don't come, but let me tell you something. My wife and I pray from 7 to 8. If we can't be here, we sit, we turn all media, everything gets put away. We pray from 7 to 8 because we are committed to that time. That's not the only time we pray, but that's we pray with the church during that time if we can't physically be here. But the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. We are availing much. Much more than we even realize. By coming here and praying. And not just coming here with an attitude of, i got to go to prayer for an hour, so I'm going to go. And it'll be over soon, so I'll keep looking at my watch every minute and see if it's moved yet. Nope, it hadn't. Come on. Come on, 8 o'clock. That ain't going to get nothing done. But if we come here with the right attitude to pray God's will into existence, is it God's will to win this city? Is it God's will for there to be a harvest in this city, in Onalaska, in Holman, in West Salem, in Sparta? It absolutely is. Is it God's will for there to be a, a harvest among the Amish? Absolutely it is. Is it God's will for there to be a harvest among the Hmong people in La Crosse? Absolutely it is. What are we doing about it? Well, let God save them. No. It's what we were sent here for. We're His hands and His feet. When are we going to pray and ask God to give us that kind of an urgency and a burden? 
that when we look at the multitudes, we just begin to weep. God, I can't save them all. I can't save any of them, God. Only you can. Help me to do something. All we can do is reach one at a time. I get that. Right? Nobody's asking anybody to go out and stand on a soapbox in downtown La Crosse and start preaching. But we've got to at least be out there. Maybe that's why God had me teach that first this morning and then this. We've got to make ourselves available. I know, I know it's your house, but it's not really your house. It's his house. It's not really your car. It's his car. And I know we, our stuff is precious to us, but it's not your stuff. Can't take it with you. There's no U-Hauls that are ever at a funeral. Ever. Ever. There might be. There might have been one, but <laughs> somebody else was driving the U-Haul home that day. I hate to be morbid, but that's the truth. Can't take it with you. And it's not yours anyway. And if I sacrifice it for the kingdom, if I make my living room available when it's not comfortable for me, and that's where it really it kind of sticks, right? That's where it really is at. It's not comfortable. It's not comfortable for me to open my home and take my time to teach somebody a Bible study. Well, is it your time? Is it? My Bible says your life is but a vapor. And it says that your life is not your own, that you've been bought with a price. Does your Bible say that? That's what mine says. Thirty-seven. Then saith he saith unto his disciples, The harvest is truly plenteous, but the laborers are few. And here's where we're commanded to pray. You know, this is a command to pray. He told his disciples that, but it, it's to us too. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. Who's that? He's the only one that adds to the kingdom such as should be saved, right? That he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Not pray, don't pray that he'll send somebody else. Pray, Lord, send me as a laborer. Here I am, Lord. Not what that prophet said, send me. I'm not looking to take my shovel out and shovel it back to somebody else behind me. Here I am, Lord. I'm here. I'm ready. I'm, I'm your servant. Tell me what you want me to do. Tell me what you want me to say. Tell me where you want me to go. You will go to Wisconsin and you will serve me there. What? How am I going to tell my family this? He didn't answer me. He's never answered me. I told you what to do. Go do it. That's what I'm here for. If this is serving him, this is what I'm doing. This is where he told me to be. That's the last thing he told me, Sister Vicky. That's the last thing I'm going to do until he tells me otherwise. Right? For there to be a harvest in God's kingdom, it requires human involvement and our human agency. So, we are His agents and ambassadors on the earth, called specifically to bring His will to pass. And His will is harvest. He needs us to be sowers of the seed. 
That's our first responsibility. He needs us to be there to bring in the harvest. Everything in between that is his responsibility. We are called to teach, to baptize. Somebody tell me if I'm not in the book. To disciple, to mentor, and to replicate ourselves so that the process repeats itself over and over and over again. Like begets like. Is that not right? Matthew 10, 1 through 8. And when he had called unto him the twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. They didn't have the Holy Ghost yet. But Jesus said, I give you twelve guys power. And it names the names of them there. And we'll skip down to verse 5. Those twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go into the, go not into the way of the Gentiles, but into the city of the Samaritans, and into the city of the Samaritans enter ye not. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So he was specifically sending them to a specific group. And as ye go, not and if ye go, and as ye go, Preach. That word preach does not mean stand in front of a wooden pulpit in front of a crowd of people and preach a sermon. That's what we call it. That's not what that word means. It generally means to proclaim, to herald, or to announce publicly. Jesus' ministry never took place in a building. Well, I take that back. There was a couple times he was in somebody's house. But he never, ever, and he went to the synagogue as a good Jew, and he would stand up to read, but he never really spent the grand majority of his time there. He spent the vast majority of his time out there. From city to city to city to city to town to village. And even though he told his disciples not to go to those places, he went to those places like Samaria. And as ye go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. That means you. Not that you're healing the sick, but you're using God's Spirit in you and you're listening to the Holy Ghost when He says, pray for that person to be healed. You go do it. It's up to God if He does it or not. He told you to go do it. Go do it. And if Pastor Becker wants to correct me on this, I know he will. I'll get a phone call. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. He's telling us this. This is to us, right? Freely you have received, freely give. So how are we supposed to do this thing if, that He's called us to do and chosen us to do? He didn't say only the qualified and the special and the super spiritual ones to go do this stuff, did He? He didn't. He placed the commission on anyone who comes into the kingdom. So if the devil or you are sitting there telling yourself, I'm not good enough, you're lying and he's lying. If you're hearing that, it's either from you or the devil because it's not from God because of what I just read you. He gave us power. He said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Did he say that? And what happened when we received the Holy Ghost? 
you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. To be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. He transferred His power to us. I mean, Peter and John, shortly after the day of Pentecost, what did they do? <laughs> they went to the synagogue and right outside the gate of the synagogue. What did they do? They healed that guy right in front of God and everybody. Silver and gold, I have. I don't have anything. To, I don't have anything to put in your cup, buddy. But I, what I do have is going. You ain't gonna need that cup anymore, at least for the money part. Stand up. He didn't pray this long apostolic prayer that we pray and scream and holler and and wave the guy back and forth and everything. He just said, in the name of Jesus Christ, stand. Boom. He stood up. He got more than he was expecting that day. Acts two forty six through forty seven, and they, they being the called out commissioned ones, the new converts of that day, the three thousand one hundred twenty we talked about this morning, and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. They all had the same. They were all in the same vein, if you will. They all had the same purpose and goal in mind at that point. Everything changed on that day of Pentecost. Everything changed. The Old Testament ended right there. The, day, the second they got the Holy Ghost, the Old Covenant was done. Done. There was no more, none of that stuff anymore. Now, the, the, the moral law was still in, in effect, but all that other stuff, all that sacrificing and all that stuff was done. All those 613 rules, done. Everything started new from that moment on. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. John 14, 9-12 says, Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest then thou showest the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, He doeth the works. Jesus was saying, I'm just the vessel. God is operating through me to heal these people, to heal blind Bartimaeus, to heal the leper, to take care of all these things. Believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. Because I, as a man, can't do this. I can't heal anybody. I can't save anybody. You can't either. I can't deliver somebody from alcohol, from drugs. I can't do it. You can't do it. But he can. That's why he gave us his name and his power. Then in verse 12 it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me the works that I do... We, we know what those are, right? We know what he did up to this point. He shall do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. So even greater works than those things that Jesus did when he walked on this earth, stopped the waters when they were roaring and the guys were in the boat. He did all that stuff. He delivered the demons out of that guy and into the pigs. All that stuff that he did. He said not only would we be able to do that, but even greater things. 
than that. So just, just a question for you to think about. Why aren't we? I ask myself that question. Why aren't we? What's different? Amen. Let's all stand this morning. I've already said this, but our prayers and our efforts are not in vain in the Lord. Everything that we're doing for the kingdom, if we're sincerely doing it for the kingdom, if we really in our heart of hearts are not just doing it so that we can receive glory, so that we can get accolades, so that we can say, look at me, look what I'm doing, so that we can just say, hey, I did my part. I'm done. Let somebody else take it from here. If we're really sincere... When we pray and when, with all the efforts, he knows, you know, he knows we're flesh. He knows we're human. He does. He knows that we have responsibilities. We have husbands and wives and children and grandchildren. We have houses and we have jobs and we got bills we got to pay. He knows that. You don't think he knows that? He knows when we need a vehicle. And he knows how to get it to us. He's just looking for somebody that's a, a willing vessel to just be used and not worry about getting any glory for it. That's all he wants. So our efforts and our prayers and all that we're doing for the kingdom are not in vain, but at least we've got to be doing something. And he didn't call us to come to a church service twice a week. I know we do. And I know that the Bible says that forsake not the assembling of ourselves. We need to do this. We do need to assemble together. But there's some stuff we need to be doing in between Sunday and Wednesday and Wednesday and Sunday. Uh, we have a friend in Kentucky that's now the district superintendent, but he was just a pastor when we were there. And he and his wife had no Bible studies. And he and his wife started praying. God, just just one, just just one Bible study, just one. Just give us one. We know we can only reach one at a time. Just give us one Bible study. Well, they got their Bible study. And it wasn't a couple of weeks, they got another one. Another couple of weeks, they got another one. <laughs> when they got to five, <laughs> they were like, okay, <laughs> five's enough. <laughs> Because we got we got to get ready for church on Sunday. We got he's got to prepare to preach and you know all this stuff. And he's like, okay, five's enough. But but you see what I'm saying? If you're really serious about it, get ready to give up some time. But you will oh, the joy that I mean, talk about satisfaction. Talking about a feeling of fulfillment in the kingdom, knowing that. Your little minuscule little effort to teach a Bible study has been instrumental in somebody going, I see it, I see it, I see it. Y'all heard the story about Brother Parker and Sister Parker teaching that girl, and she suddenly just screamed in the middle of Bible study, I see it, I see it, I see it. I don't know about you, but I want to have a moment like that. I want to have a moment where that girl stood up in my recliner in my house and started talking in tongues. I hadn't even had time to lay hands on her yet. <laughs> God got tired of waiting on me, I guess, because <laughs> I was hesitant and, you know, I was a new convert too. And But God blessed my home with that. So we are in this kingdom at this time in history.
right now. Every one of us is right where we're supposed to be in the kingdom right now in 2022. You can want to wish that you could live back in the Bible days if you want to, but we're here for now. We were one to the kingdom, born into this world right now for here and now. And so we got to do with what we got to do right here and right now. And we, He wants us to be here for the last time worldwide harvest and revival. We are here. And it's going to happen. As we already read, the seed's the Word of God and we are His laborers. And we're supposed to be in the field casting the seed. We're supposed to be ready when the harvest comes in. Amen. Father, we love you today. We praise you today. We thank you today. Lord, I'm not going to ask anybody to come to this altar that doesn't want to. Father, they can pray right there where they are. But Lord, I know that you've been talking to me, Lord, and I know that you're talking to this people. And you might even be talking to somebody online now or in the future, Lord Jesus. And I know that we are living in the last days. And there is a great and mighty harvest coming, Lord. And we can allow ourselves to be busy about our own business, but we better find a way to get ourselves busy about our Father's business today. Father, we love you. We praise you. We honor you. We bless you. We thank you for coming and speaking to us today. Speaking to our hearts, O God, and beginning to challenge us. Oh, God, to look at things differently, Lord Jesus, to look at things differently, Lord Jesus. We know it's going to cost us something, Lord Jesus, but the cost is worth it, Lord Jesus. If we will just give ourselves to the kingdom, O God, you'll give back to us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall you give, O God. If we'll give, not just financially, but if we'll give of ourselves, of our lives, of our efforts, our energies, O God, into your kingdom. Lord, we know we're gonna, you're gonna use us at the level where we are, Lord. We know that you know that we have limitations, physical and otherwise, but God, we still want to be available to pray, to intercede, to travail, to do something for your kingdom, O oh God, to see souls enter into this kingdom, Lord Jesus, that our minuscule little efforts would bring forth a mighty harvest, O oh God. There is a harvest of souls in this city. There is a harvest of backsliders. There is a harvest of souls in this city. There is, a, O oh God, a church, O oh God, that is far beyond what this building capacity can hold, Lord Jesus. If we'll just get out and do what we need to do, Lord Jesus, you'll do your part. And you'll add to the kingdom, Lord, such as should be saved. And Lord, it's your desire that all men might be saved, O oh God. And so help us to do our part tonight and today and throughout this, uh, the rest of this time on this earth. Help us to do our part. God, whatever that is, O oh God, help us to be obedient. Help us to be faithful. Help us, O God. Father, we love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, have your way, Jesus. 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 Have your way, God. Have your way, God. Have your way, God. Have your way, God. You're worthy, 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 God. Jesus, worthy God, worthy God, worthy God, you're worthy God. 
You're worthy, God. You're worthy, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you for the ears that are hearing today. Thank you for the ears that have heard today. I thank you for using me as your vessel, O God, to speak. O God, what thus saith your spirit, O God, in this last day. Let me, O God, be the first one, O God, to begin to submit myself even more than I have already to your will. Submit myself to your plan, O God. Help me, Lord Jesus, to lay aside the things that are hindering me from being a a worthy vessel for your kingdom, O God. God, use us, O God, use us as your vessels. Use us that we might be sensitive to your spirit, O God. Hallelujah, that we might be able to feel the joy, O God, and the satisfaction of watching somebody come to you, God. The joy and the satisfaction of watching somebody be filled with the Holy Ghost right in our home, Lord Jesus. You're so good and you're so mighty and you're so wonderful today. Lord, we praise you. We praise you, Jesus. Oh, God, we praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus.